When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, so um, we are starting this week. So Alan, Elliot, and I haven't recorded for a couple weeks. Uh, Alan was in Europe, uh, probably reading a book or whatever he does. And Elliot was visiting his family in New York. So during the brief hiatus that we had, we got a message on Instagram that I thought was really important for us to address. So the message said, quote, hey, Brent, you say that Elliot is unhinged. And sure, the anecdotes make sense. But how do you quantify that? And this is something that I felt very strongly about addressing uh, on the podcast. Uh, The National Alliance for the Unhinged only recognizes one metric to gauge levels of hinge, and that is the the Takahashi scale. Now, of course, it's named for Arthur Takahashi, the Japanese-American sociologist at the University of California, San Diego, who developed the scale in 1979 to gauge relative levels of hinge. It's a very simple scale. It's zero to a thousand. Zero is essentially asexual. A thousand is unimaginably unhinged. Anything between two and 400 is considered average. Anything above 800 is considered wildly unhinged. There's actually only been 23 documented scores above 800 in years, decades of records. So the reality is about 10 years ago, Alan, Elliot, and I sat down for a weekend, a Saturday night, we got a couple bottles of wine and we tabulated our scores because you can, there was a website where you could tabulate your scores. And I wrote down our scores. So I wanted to read them to our listeners just so they could understand. Alan, your score was a 392 which is, that's pretty high. Well within the average range. Good for you, Alan, really high. Mm-hmm. My score was a 308. So a little bit lower, but still comfortably within the average range. And let's see, Elliot's score was um, a 998. So I don't know if you remember this, Alan, but <laughs> the website crashed. Actually, it actually crashed after yeah. we tabulate Elliot's score. And, and we, we I, I read a news article the next day that in order to get Elliot's score, we had to input so much information that the servers actually burst into flames and that fire, unfortunately, did consume the lives of four people. But so the reality is, it's been 10 years. And yeah. I decided this weekend, well, with you guys busy and out of, you know, out of town, I decided to tabulate our scores again to <laughs> see where we are now. And believe it or not, every one of our scores went down. Because that's what happens as you get older. Alan, you <laughs> went from a 392 to a 286. That's over 100 points. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I went from a 308 to a 204, over 100 points. And Elliot, even your score went down. You went from a 998 to a 997.5. That's almost a point. <laughs> Unbelievable. So anyway, I wanted to give people an idea of of of. Of and what, what we're saying when we're that, talking ladies about and gentlemen, is the longest joke for a one point. <laughs> I, I did. 
<laughs> How dare you? How dare but it might you? Also, <laughs> it might also be a reason that you would want to potentially subscribe for extra content. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. We are thinking about launching a Patreon. Oh. And we wanted to ask our most devoted, loving listeners what they would like to see in a Patreon yeah. if and they if were willing. And if they want that, maybe they don't want that. And we support you no matter what. We appreciate you listening. So we wanted to s- just kind of send out some feelers. Yeah, let us uh, know what you, What I mean, if, if that's something that you would be interested in. And if it is something you would be interested in, you know, slide into our DMs on Instagram and let us know the kind of things you would want us to talk about. Some things that, I mean, you would expect. I mean, on the podcast, we talk about anything and everything, but... We often do talk about, you know, politics or things that are in the news. We have our friends on anything. So if there's maybe stories you want to hear from us or maybe a more relaxed conversation, a more Mm -hmm. unhinged conversation or how, Mm -hmm. you know, Elliot is making it worse some weeks or how Brent makes it worse by telling jokes. You know, I mean, there's (laughs) There so many areas that we could go into. So if it is something that you're interested in, (laughs) let us know on Instagram, DM us, and we will consider maybe doing this. Yeah. Yeah, well, we will, it will be considered. Now, that said, let's launch into textual healing for the week. Launch. Launch. That's, oh my God, I didn't even notice. So, Elliot, you're like a newscaster. You grabbed a great one. So, by now, everyone, you've probably heard about the James Webb Space Telescope. It's a true marvel, a tennis court sized series of mirrors launched six or eight months ago and orbiting about a a million miles from Earth. Uh, partly because it's so large, it captures uh, minute amounts of light and can assemble brilliantly detailed and colored photographs from the nether regions of our universe. Can you tell I'm reading this? Um, that said, if you haven't, I mean, if you haven't checked it, if you haven't seen anything from the telescope, I mean, they just released the first series of photos. Oh, they were cool. all over social media, but they are absolutely stunning and very exciting. That said, uh, it is named, its namesake, James Webb, is a virulent homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Oh, was was that's right. He's dead. Ellie, do you want to tell us a little bit about what made him such a homophobe? yeah? Sure. Well, apparently he was the administrator of NASA from sixty one to sixty eight, um, and during that time he was apparently complicit in a purge of LGBTQ people from the from the workforce from the federal workforce. He apparently enforced the lavender scare in the fifth. Uh, well, that was the moral panic from the fifties that um, you know saw people fired. It was. What was it? Yeah. It was like the Red Scare, but the yeah. it was the push from day, J. Edgar you know, Hoover. Anyway, it was the push from J. Edgar Hoover to rid the government of all kinds of undesirable people, quote unquote undesirable people. Yeah. Right. And this guy was part of it. And according to Scientific American magazine, he cooperated with the Senate and handed over what they called quote homophobic material to government officials. Yeah. Um, and so that that magazine, uh, they actually started a petition to rename the telescope, which has been circulating since 2021 and has garnered over 1,700 signatures Ooh. from those in the astronomy community, but apparently has made no dent because we're all talking about the uh, the, the the web, the James Webb Space Telescope. And uh, I don't know, does that does that push? You? I mean, does it? How well, much does it bother you? Well, I'm I'm I'll tell you this right now, and this is the official stance of you're making it worse. The podcast <laughs> we aren't interested in renaming a homophobic telescope. We want to destroy it. We want it blown out of the universe or whatever. It must be destroyed. That's, I would imagine, what social media is saying. I will will kind of say when I saw the memes of and the stories, I think it was 
on the website them or something. I don't know where it was, but it, the headline mm, was yeah, them. yeah, the headline was like that telescope you're obsessed with was named after a homophobe or whatever the headline was. Oh, it's, we, I, we regret to inform you. We regret to yeah. inform you. And I, I mean, g- kudos to the editor, the copy editor who came up with that headline. And kudos to anyone who is leading this movement on renaming this telescope. But we have so many fucking bigger. There are so no. many things that racist, homophobic, sexist pieces of shit schools are named after some horrible people move the fuck i just i don't i just don't care like it's one of the most exhausting things for me to be like okay so now i need to add this to the thing i should care about which is a very privileged thing for me to say i i understand that but at the same time i'm like no but it's fair this doesn't this doesn't matter this is like sure sure he was a homophobe and he did horrible things and i i would i don't want to you know care about his legacy at all but the thing that he's named after did a really cool thing. So maybe let's focus yeah. on that for five minutes. It, it, it's, I, well, I also, well, I, well, well. Uh, wait, oh, sorry. Well, I, I was also going to say, I've always sort of had a pet peeve of like, if you have to tell me what the person did, if I don't instinctively know what the person, so like, for instance, yes, I obviously don't agree with naming an elementary school after Jefferson Davis, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Jefferson Davis. But if you have to tell me, oh, this person at one point did this one thing and it's a footnote in the Wikipedia page, I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. He probably did a like, lot of horrible things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't doubt That's, that he's a jerk, yeah. but like, but also a lot of fucking people were jerks to gay people in the 60s. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if the standard is we can't memorize someone who was homophobic in the 60s, then good God, like go piss on your grandmother's grave. Like there's going to be a million <laughs> other things that like, that we're gonna have to rename it's just yeah. absurd yeah the, the person who um started the uh petition uh or really pushed for the change in the name um starting in 2015 her name um is one that sounds like it, it literally sounds like a name that brent would use as a fake name um in like a spam email her name is shonda prescott weinstein <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty name. It's a great name. No, 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 it's a great name. It's a great name. No, it just sounds like one that Brent would make up to like to like yeah, you know, to sound real. Into, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, but 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 with her, you know, she did say she she did um, post on she tweeted about how she was excited about the new images, but angry at NASA. Um, and then because uh, she, she found out about obviously Webb's legacy, um, she says she has been. Face, she's faced criticism from other people in the field and feels gaslit by NASA. But NASA claimed last year that there was, quote, no evidence that warranted changing the name of the telescope. So I don't know if that means that, you know, any of that is, you know, any of the homophobia is alleged or, yeah, uh, you know what I mean? Like I mean, if it's, if, I, it's, I, if it's necessary, if it's necessarily untrue, which I, I doubt it's untrue, but, but um, yeah. you know, they, they said NASA actively said this doesn't warrant it. I mean, and in that, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't know NASA. I don't follow NASA history other than the walk on the moon. I don't, in Apollo 13, maybe because of Tom Hanks. Like I don't follow any of that. And I would never have even known that, I would never have even known the name of the fucking telescope, honestly, or the person behind it. I would only know that the thing took a pretty picture of something we've never seen before. So like, yeah. yes, now yeah. I have all this information and that's wonderful and information is power. But at the same time, 
I just I I'm I'm worried about marriage rights being taken away right now after the Supreme Court <laughs> struck down Roe v. Wade. That's where I'm. That's where my head's at. So I don't give mm. a fuck about a tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, see you in space. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm cooking chicken right now, and I heard so much noise that I was like, I think my kitchen's on fire. It turns out it's not. Hmm. So let's keep recording. Bye. <laughs> not even joking. We are here today with a friend of the pod, a really, really funny, funny lady, Jesse Klein. Hello, hey. Jesse. Hello. Writer, like oh comedian, produced yeah. all of the things, mom. Yeah, <laughs> working yeah. mother, working mother. Um, thank you so much for having me on. This is so fun. Oh my god, it's such a pleasure. And and Jess, we all got to know Jesse when we lived in New York together. And there are a, just a handful of those comics that everyone likes. <laughs> yeah, every every yeah. single person likes this comic as a person. They like them on stage. Oh, they they like them off stage. Never heard and anything to talk about you, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> and people, everyone loved John Mulaney. Everyone loved Jesse Klein. So I've heard you talk so, about John Mulaney. Well, <laughs> thank you. You're alone. Well, I like John okay. Mulaney, but uh, but look, but, I, I'll just take the version where I'm the only one. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> well, so, Brent, I was just gonna say, I I do specifically remember. I mean, I adore you all, but Brent, I remember you used to send me the, oops, sorry, I'm getting rid of this little ding. You used to send me um, the most hilariously insane, like late night, kind of, I want to say, like booty collie texts. Yes, yes. The classic is, uh, what is the classic one? Let's come come to Enya or whatever. Oh, let's listen, let's listen to, to Enya, Enya and, and come. come. That's right. Uh. And, but honestly, it was like, anytime I, I got a little like phone buzz and saw it was from you, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. That is, I am <laughs> True, like, so it's like honored. Christmas in July. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank I you for so saying touched. such nice things. You Absolutely. guys are the best. So Jesse, first, before we get into your book, which I can't wait to talk to you about. Fantastic tell us about- book, by the way. I read Aww. it. I read it on, I was just recently went on vacation and it's fantastic. Sorry. Brent, go ahead. Oh, yeah, a little yeah, vacation yeah. brag, yeah. but also a compliment for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you say yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. So, okay. but just tell us about you. How have you been doing? Um, I, I'm good. I'm, um, I, I had a little bit of like a, you know, a crazy April because the book came out at the same time as the show I've been working on for several mm-hmm. years. I love that for you. On Showtime, starring Vanessa Bayer, Molly Shannon, Jennifer Lewis, and many oh, yeah. others. You can so good. Now. So good. Um, it's so, so funny. It's so oh, funny. Thanks. I haven't watched it yet, but it's, it's actually so legit on funny. my list. Yeah. No, no, no. It's um, I think it's great because now it's all we it, they're all out and so you can binge them all. But it was it was kind of like um they truly came out, ended up coming out the same week, which uh, made me seem wow, more intense. prolific than I am <laughs> because everything, everything was like COVID delayed. Uh, mm. That was like every, just everything ended up landing there. So there was right. a little bit of a frenzy in April and May, and then I've been kind of chilling out the last few yeah. weeks. So, so you are, you had your, your child. How, how old is your my child, my boy. Um, my child. I know it was so clinical, Brent. Well, I, well again, I'm child. Human like, gender, guys. No, I mean, look, we're gonna hit, like. I mean, I call him he. We'll see where we land. Right. Um, but uh, for now, he is. Uh, he just turned seven. 
Oh, wow. Wow. That's yes. wonderful. Seven. Oh, my God. Me. He's like a real, like, like Pinocchio. He's turned into a real boy. Yeah. <laughs> As he started talking back <laughs> to you, I feel like a, seven is the liar? age. Seven is the age that I became sort of like super fresh. No, I became an asshole. I became an asshole. <laughs> seven. I, I don't believe that. this. I, I know. I really did. I, I, became, I can see it. I became one of those kids that had opinions and I stood by him. So has, <laughs> has your son become that as well? He's got, he's got, uh, yeah. I mean, all the things are happening that there's an occasional, like, I hate you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> With a yeah, door slam. Yeah. It's the, honestly <laughs> the I hate you, which isn't great. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but the I hate you paired with the door the door slam feels yeah. very teenager i didn't know yeah. the door slam would come so fast but my my niece when she was young when she was like four or five her big rebellion was that whenever she got mad at someone she would tell them that they're out of the family <laughs> she would kick them out of the family and the funniest thing is like my nephew is only two years older so they were both very young and there would be times where uh my niece would get mad at my brother and she would say he's out of the family and my wow. brother would have to spend the next 20 minutes telling his son my nephew that he's not actually leaving <laughs> That wow. because Anna kicked him out, he doesn't actually have to leave. I mean, Ugh. she's going very Godfather. I mean, just be like you're out of the <laughs> yeah. Family. That's real mafia. Like right. that's like a hammer. That is a hammer. Right. Um, no, I think he's he's aware enough to know that like as much as we might, you know, he hates me, <laughs> but I do also <laughs> feed him. <laughs> yeah. And he has no other access to food or shelter, yeah. so uh, <laughs> he does want to. He does want to keep me tied tied together. Yeah. Is it still cute? Like, is, is it still cute when he says, I hate you? I mean, you obviously don't want to hear that, but of course he doesn't actually mean cute. it. Was it ever cute? Cute. No, I mean, like, it's it's a seven-year-old. Like, everything seven-year-old, seven-year-old is kind of cute. Does I, it? I, I want to say, Brennan, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I hear you, <laughs> and I honor you. <laughs> um yeah, he is, you know, he is extremely cute. I don't want to brag, but he's like a stunning little guy. But yeah, uh, you know, I'd I'd prefer other words. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. sure. Well, yeah. you write about your book in your book. It's called I'll Show Myself Out. It's about midlife and mothering. And it is such I mean, you write about these things. And what I love is that like you're honest about some of these things. About it does hurt when a kid says, I hate. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I was a nice kid, but I don't think I could I ever said that to my mom because I feel like I look at my mom and she's such like she's like the mom in Muriel's wedding. Do you remember that scene when the mom in Muriel's wedding when she like gets arrested for stealing like flip flops or something? Mm. I look at my mom in the same way as like that vulnerable, and I could never I would be bawling if I ever said I hate you. Oh well, my god, I'm so this sobbing. is where we find out you're an incredible son. Well, <laughs> you still an asshole. Still an asshole. No, <laughs> I think we you just blew up your own spot. You're not an asshole at all. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's it's you write about these things in such like a wonderful way. What was it like sort of well writing the book? Um, well, thank you so much for those kind words. Um writing the book, uh was extreme. <laughs> it was extremely hard. Yeah. <laughs> Writing books just kind of sucks, dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, not in the good, not in the good way. Um, yeah. um, it's uh, you know arg an arduous, not great. <laughs> right. Suck. Right. Um, uh, well, also because um, I I sold it in like two thousand 
19 in the spring, I guess. And they're like, you've got like a year and a half to write the book. And I, a real, this gal's a real procrastinator. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'll get it. I, you know, I had like the proposal written. So that's like kind of like a quarter of it. I'm like, I'll write the rest of it. Like, yeah later <laughs> yeah you blew the money in a week and then you're like i'll write it later you just know. snorted the money in a week <laughs> and then figured i would turn in the pages the night before <laughs> and then um as i oh my did, god and then uh, i don't know if you remember anything about march 2020 but a thing happened yeah and yeah. Um, something happened something there was some kind of a thing and um there was a little global pandy and uh my son you know obviously we all I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. We all had the thing, but you know, my my son's school closed, yeah. and like that, and so it's just like you're all home again. And now I am explaining it, but yeah. it just the all the structures that were in place that made it sort of doable to write a book, yeah, in a way. And again, this is all a hell of a lot of privilege talking because that's sure. my worst problem, but. Yeah. Uh, it just it made it all it kind of brought a new lens on the whole thing just because we were all stuck together and mm. I mean so many parents all over the world obviously <laughs> I, I think it's still doesn't feel completely acknowledged like um what what it was like to not have your child be able to go to school yeah <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah and I mean obviously the worst nightmare really was for him because um when it all started, he was four. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so it's like his whole world flipped upside down, but he can't understand it. Yeah. And because he would have been just starting kindergarten, right? He would have, he was supposed to start kindergarten in the fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. So wow. he would hear this preschool. <laughs> Great. Everyone loves K. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, it just was, it's just that age where like the bonds to like, yeah they want to have friends they're excited to have friends but they can't yeah. zoom with them or call them or text them so it was like yeah. kind of the worst mm -hmm. right but um but it was you know it was something to at least i had something to do yeah, yeah. i mean i was i i, I <laughs> often thought about my friends who had young kids during the pandemic because for me it was like well I just have to be, be more lonely than ever, which I somehow managed <laughs> to do quite same, successfully. Same. Uh, but like to me, it, there was it was a mixed bag where I could see like during a pandemic, you know, your your focus becomes all right. I need to make sure I I get food and I gotta go to the grocery store, however long it takes, and all these things, yeah. and I gotta make sure my kid is all right and gets through this. Uh, but also, it's a burden, you know. I didn't you, I didn't have to worry about anything like that. So, what was it like for you? Um, <laughs> this might be the full day of food poisoning talking, but uh, <laughs> as you, as you, I am, I am known for my signature honesty that probably, and you're known for your food probably poisoning, probably, and my food poisoning, yeah, probably repellent to some, but um, <laughs> I feel like this is a safe space. Um, totally, it was, yeah. um, and again, the headline of I didn't lose anyone and I, yeah. I, I was never worried about like how am I going to make ends meet I was I was fortunate to be working throughout so those things are, are huge privileges but uh I think we're still all allowed to complain about whatever version of this hellscape we went through yeah yeah and um and uh it was all I mean it was really awful I was really lonely and really depressed and mm. it was so scary you know it was really yeah and and the thing of maybe like a mixed blessing and curse in terms of having to take care of a kid but um mm. through it but it felt 
pretty it's cursy. A it's a decent focus. Yeah. But at least, you, at least you have, I mean. But I guess the thing was like, you couldn't, it was just so nonstop and you couldn't just curl into a ball. Yeah. yeah. Get away right. from it. Well, that's, you that's a huge part of it too. I think was that, that people talk like it was, it was it rem, to a degree remains like, but really was, especially in the midst of the, of the initial quarantine, just such a mentally devastating, shocking moment that I, that I think we talked about by saying the words mental illness out loud and saying destigmatize mental illness, but like beyond like talking about like Demi Lovato, I don't think that actually <laughs> happened or like really became a thing, yeah. you know? And, and it's, and it's like, God, to acknowledge like how painful and depressing and lonely and awful yeah. that was for you and for a lot of people yeah. is I still, for some reason, I still think it's like, I hate to say taboo, but like, still kind of uncommon to, to talk about it in a real way i completely agree sorry go ahead no just also just saying like as creatives i mean one of the things that i was struck by you saying that you like really dived into writing the book at the start of the pandemic is i feel i think a lot of creatives feel guilt about not being productive during the pandemic oh, not yeah. not taking using that time you know i mean we had all these lofty goals of doing certain things and finishing certain things and catching up on certain things but then I think a lot of people probably now feel guilt about not doing anything. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I, I guess my reaction to that, just tagging also off of Elliot, what you were saying is that I, I'm, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I, I mean, we're still in the pandemic. We're still, yeah. we're still in it. I mean, I guess some people are acting like they're not, but this, this little COVID scaredy cat uh, with, Kids with asthma and all kinds of immune compromised people around me uh you know it's still happening and I, every single day i kind of can't believe yeah. that we like we've all been through this massive collective trauma yeah and and even Very like much. middle of the pandemic like just that it was like okay you know like we're all supposed to get on zoom and keep keep working yep. just keep um, going and not explain and it not really to talk about it not talk about it, it. And i mean just to again it's hard to complain about having you know being very fortunate to keep working but also just i don't know it feels insane to me that there's no um I mean, I guess it's not insane because the country we live in is so fucked up. Mm -hmm. But that there isn't, <laughs> yeah. um, um, like, there just isn't kind of a national reckoning of like no one's okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, yes. Uh, it's bizarre. To, to me, to in a certain degree, I feel like um, I, I feel like I'm of a generation that lived it probably one of the easiest times in the history of the world, where you know I was born in you know, somewhere potentially late 80s, maybe early 90s. I can't remember exactly when I was <laughs> sure, born. Sure, 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 sure. But, you know, the 90s were one of the most stable decades. Uh, you know, during Obama's term, uh, there was a whole trend about how, like, like you know, foreign strife and conflict and war was, like, decreasing. The, like, the, the number of people who died every year unnecessarily was decreasing year over year. And there was just all these, you know, for 30 years, there was this idea that like, oh, life is getting better. And all of a sudden this pandemic comes along and you're like, oh, you're reminded, you're like, oh, shit does really happen. And 
like in the lead up to the war with Ukraine, you're like, well, you know, that optimistic part of your brain says, oh, we're not, there's not going to, you know, they won't invade or, or yeah. it won't happen or we won't get involved or whatever. And then you're like, wait, bad things sometimes happen to a lot of people. And, and totally in, in a way it's, it's important to kind of be reminded that we live in a sobering world. But in the other way, you're like, I'd still would rather live <laughs> blissfully ignorant of all these bad things. You know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it is, uh, yeah, all of, all of the things you said. And um, I just, I guess like, in whatever in this moment as i'm in my weird little slightly player witchy guest room right. I, to anybody i just feel like I, I it gives me comfort to hear other people say like it, things aren't okay right mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. and and again and it just feels like beyond the elephant in the room it's on top of all the other things like I sorry, I've become a real fun comedy podcast. <laughs> all the nightmares, all the hells. <laughs> there's just a lot of nightmares and hells. It just feels like we don't talk about them. But luckily, there's this new three digit uh, crisis uh, number. Crisis hotline 988. 988, guys. 988. Yeah. What else do we want to talk about? Are you yeah. still like, God, how can we just edit this down? No, not at <laughs> all. I know this is, if this is random, but I love, I still remember this is, again, totally random, not about depressing things, but there is medicine involved um, where it's just it's such a dumb tangential. It's it's a story you told Brent about taking, it's not even, it's not even, it's just an, it's just an anecdote. Say it. Just the do idea it. that you took, his, that, that Jesse allegedly took a Xanax because she was nervous about oh taking a flight. Oh my God. Wait, <laughs> I'll let oh, you finish my it, favorite, this is my favorite. Oh my, I forgot you, you, about you tell this. It. Well, Je I mean, Jesse, it's your story. So maybe you should tell it. I mean, uh, if it's the yeah, story yeah. I'm thinking of. Well, the one about being well first of all it was an ambient and not a xanax oh that's sorry. very different, ah, very different. It, was, it was an ambi not a zanny so let's keep our fermies straight. <laughs> <laughs> i believe you might be referring to rent this <laughs> i'm a nervous flyer and um same uh i but foolishly so i do take a lot i i I do take Ambien. This is all with a regular doctor's prescription, guys. I'm mm -hmm. not going on the dark horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, if you don't, for me personally, if I don't take an Ambien when I'm like lying flat in bed to sleep, like there is that thing where you can sort of hallucinate or like yeah. have a weird experience. And mm, so I think, <laughs> sorry, don't, oh, don't want to end up in a lawsuit here. Really <laughs> making it great. But um, I was on a cross-country flight and I was like, well, I'm gonna just, I was really nervous. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna take like a whole pill of Ambien. Normally I like split them in half and, I'm, and I'll just like try to kick back and fall asleep. <laughs> and when I got on the plane, I remember I was on the right side of the plane <laughs> and I was, you know, in a three, a three seater or whatever. Yeah. I'm looking yeah, yeah. people and I'm on the aisle as I always request. And um, so I'm, I'm on the aisle on the right side of the plane. And then I take this thing and I do remember things starting to get a, a little squiggly. <laughs> and then I black out and I don't know what happened. But when I come to, we are landing. And now I'm on the left, I'm seated on the left. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on an aisle with different folks on the other uh. side. And I, to this day, I do not know what I did. I know that I must have been moved and yeah. by a flight, a professional flight attendant. 
I do have <laughs> I do have some scrawls because I always, you know, oh, always working, always, <laughs> always, always writing, always yeah. writing, always writing. Yeah. I do have a notebook. I have a little spiral notebook, and I, I must have started writing. And I just remember something about the. I just remember the words "swinging giraffes." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, and then I—it's really changed the way I live my life. I—I I switched for flights. I switched to Zannies. You took yeah. you, you switched to Xanax, I, which has yeah. been hard to get prescriptions for recently. Oh no, not for me. I got a real quick. You just, oh just have to well, pee test, little urine test, and boom, I got my Zanny for that flight. Ooh. Oh, but, but did you get a bunch, like enough to give me extras? <laughs> Brennan, well, I then, have extras. I have yeah, say that on the air. Oh, <laughs> you. Oh, yeah. I would never give it to someone. That's no, never. It's only for the person it's prescribed for. It's only for the person. Only. Nine eight eight. Nine eight. That is that is legitimately one of my favorite stories. Oh my of god! All I can't time. believe you're. And I that. I think about I, it. I love with, it. I think about it like probably for every four or five months i'm like i wonder what happened like it's just like this fun this fun fantasy of like and of course you're such a you're such a sweet mild hilarious smart person <laughs> like what did in you my do? head yeah in my head i'm like she must have been like kind of nasty to be so oh my god i mean it's so funny because i haven't thought of that in a long time now but i would say i do i guess this is the time i think of it about once a year yeah. And so I guess Around this, this time, time. <laughs> yeah. for Hanukkah. Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, oh God, I wish, I wish there was some way to know. Maybe there could be some internet movement. To, I mean, someone knows. Someone was on someone the Someone knows somewhere. Knows. I feel like the least sort of like shocking thing you could have done is you were falling asleep on the person next to you and they complained. Well, here's the thing. I hate to make it more exciting than that, but I just know myself and I know that if I'm sitting with an Ambien and not lying down, and this was a coach experience, oh. that I'm I'm not sleeping. Yeah. So oh. I, or maybe I'll snooze, but I think I must have been talking. And I do also know that I will ambient talk nonsense. Wow. Like like wow. a sleep ambient, like I start to get silly, I start to say crazy <laughs> things. So I just really could This have is been turning anything. into like the this new like X Files so, or the new so like fucking awesome. Yeah, you're right, Alan. <laughs> it's so now good. Jesse, so I want to ask you, I, I don't know if yeah. you've said it yet. Your book is called I'll Show Myself Out. It's essays on midlife and motherhood. So good. Um, so to do is there like one I mean, obviously you're doing a press tour right now. Is there one story that you want to tell us about or one essay? That you think, Alan? Why are you? I had to laugh at because me? you said press tour, and she's sitting at home in her guest room oh, okay. with food like, points. I'm asking good questions. I'm in the middle of a hot, hot press tour. <laughs> but is there like one essay you want to tell us the listeners about? Oh gosh, I should have uh, prepped for that question. I'm trying to think. Um, wait, hold on. I can look at it on my phone. I did. I mean, there were a couple. Um, you know, you write a book and you kind of, it's, I mean, I can't speak for every writer, but I mean, you guys are all writers. Like you mm -hmm. kind of, I hate what I'm writing as I'm writing. And I'm like, this is literally the worst, worst, Hell. worst. And then, um, you know, it's the trope of writing sucks, but being done writing is the best. Yeah. And with a little distance, you know, I look back and uh, I'm like, oh, this isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did okay. <laughs> I did okay. I'm really selling my own book. But you know, what's more than like talking about any specific essay, I will say what has been really satisfying is um, I have been getting um, so many 
messages from women, mm. um, mothers mostly, uh, not mm. all, but um, like just saying thank you for sharing these stories, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, uh, just, and, and people saying like, I feel seen, like mm-hmm. motherhood is so hard and part of the sort of, you know, reason I wanted to write the book was it's a very lonely time too, uh, even mm-hmm. without a pandemic. Yeah. Um, like, and it just all, it, we live in a society where, you know, it feels like the version of motherhood that's kind of presented to people is that it's like everyone's an angel like a little diaper ad you're staring yeah. at your little gorgeous angel yeah um and uh and it feels very scary i think um for mothers to admit like i'm having a hard time or mm. i don't love every minute of this and in fact sometimes i kind of hate doing this like i mm. i love my kid and i'm hating doing this and yeah and so i think I just kind of committed to sort of sharing the little like details of it to me that all feel very intense. Cause I think that's the other thing is like mother's stories I think are often just dismissed. Like it's mm-hmm. so quote unquote boring or not, not a, not even really a story at all. Like no one cares. And basically the through line of the book is that I kind of posit that motherhood is a mother is a, is a hero's journey mm-hmm. and that, you know, a hero's journey can be a journey where you're, you're staying, um, and not a typical hero's journey in the sense that we think of, you know, the archetypes of like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, where someone has to like go to a faraway place and conquer something. Um, so I think just a lot of people responded to that in a way that I could not have anticipated Mm -hmm. and that was really satisfying. You know what it reminded me of as I was reading it? And I mean, I love stories of sort of just like unconventional mothers and talking about unconventional parenting and talking about just like all the full aspects of parenting. And like, as I was reading it, I kept picturing Nora Ephron's This Is My Life. It's her first film she directed. and Oh yeah, I love that movie. It is such a good movie. It's about a... Uh, a single mother, stand-up comic. She goes out, but she's trying to raise these two kids while also doing stand-up comedy. But it's, so that's not it's totally different. Your story is very different. But the themes of what, how she was talking with her kids and how she was talking about parenting, it was, mm-hmm. it was a, it, it was just really great. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's such a nice uh, comparison to make. Nora Ephron is like big hero of mine. But um, yeah, I think just, just having your experience reflected back as something that matters is Mm -hmm. obviously something that um you know we've all been talking about as a culture in a variety of spaces um people of color you know just anything outside of like the story that we've been taught since we were kids is the story (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is usually a white man going to go you know do a thing to someone else right right. (laughs) um so yeah, I I it's been uh it's been really really nice to kind of yeah. hear that it's mattered well, to people. That is, I mean, such a I mean, it's such a it sounds like such a compelling and amazing book, and I'm I'm actually gonna send it to one of my friends because <laughs> I think it's it's perfect for my good friend who listens to this podcast very regularly, I believe. So. Uh, <laughs> 
Jesse, where, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? And so uh, the book is called I'll Show Myself Out. Ever, obviously, people can buy it on Amazon or at a local bookstore. Your local indie bookstore, please. Or yes. wherever, wherever books are sold. I love it. When you say that, you feel very fancy. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> right. Um, uh, if you want to get the audio book, if you can't, if you're like, oh, I love Jesse's voice. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I do also read the audio book. No, oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's a whole experience. And I'm, so uh, I'm on, oh, I'm on Instagram <laughs> um, uh, as your acquaintance, Jesse Klein. That's great. <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much for joining Jesse, us. So much fun. Thank, thank you. you for having me. And another thing. I was uh, at my parents' house a couple of, for the past few weeks. Uh, they're moving. Um, so I was going through all this, like, you know, old, old stuff, lots of old stuff. I found so many bizarre things that were made me, it was just so clear that I was gayer than I thought I was. Uh, mm-hmm. I found like, we're going to talk about written. one of them. We're going to talk yeah. about that in a, in oh. a couple episodes, Elliot. I need, we need to talk about that. So yeah, we do. Uh, we'll save no, that. I was going to we'll say, there that. was one, you want me to save it? Yeah. It's, save I mean, it's not, it, it's not something, that, it's just that I, okay. All right. Um, anyway, so going through all of this stuff, um, I was pushed to wonder if you ever had any teachers that made um, a big impact on your life and who they would be and why. And I know the first one that I'm, I have a few, but a big one that we may have talked about on the podcast once it's not that she made a big impact on my life, but there was a really bizarre coincidence mm-hmm. between Brent and, and myself that in first grade, apparently I was obsessed with this teacher who was not my teacher. She was a very glamorous woman in the classroom next door named Mrs. Buser. And I was obsessed with the fact that she would wear high heels that would like clomp, mm-hmm. you know, they'd like they'd make a lot of noise. And I was always like, what's, you know, what shoes is Mrs. Buser wearing? And I guess I told the story to Brent at some point, and apparently, dot, this dot, is dot. the weirdest. This is one of the weirdest coincidences. In first grade, the one of the other first grade teachers, not mine, one of the other first grade teachers, her name was Mrs. Beeler, and I was obsessed with the shoes that she wore mm. so much that I would sometimes <laughs> touch them. Uh, you would. T- yeah. How would you touch them? Yeah, and like I mean, not, I'm not like groping her feet. And I didn't suggest you were Jesus. groping your feet, but I want to know oh, the strategy in which you touched her no, shoes. No, I just like I think I think one. T- I remember one pair in particular. Still, it it looked. She had like what looked like sprinkles you would find on ice cream, but they were like kind of sequiny. And so I remember being like, Oh, my oh God, sure, that's, that's those are the best shoes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but I befriended Alan, her isn't that I weird? loved her shoes so much. Isn't that that is weird. That is no, it's, it's a weird coincidence. Mrs. But, Buser and Mrs. Yeah. Bu- Mrs. Bueller and, and Mrs. Both, Buser. And you both, yeah. but wait, so was she a teacher next door or was she, because you, yeah. you described, okay. Yeah, yeah. For a moment but I thought anyway, she was like a so that, that you were obsessed with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that, that aside, I still think that's just such a strange coincidence. Alan, tell us your favorite yeah. teachers growing My up. My favorite, I, I was, I struggled too because I had a lot of really great, teachers over the years but the one that stands out to me was mr parson he was my first male teacher and mr parson was my fifth grade teacher and he was so cool to me he took a liking to me that i didn't really understand at the time now of course i definitely understand he let me read any book i wanted to read because he knew i was like i i was reading books that the other kids weren't reading and he was very supportive of me doing that and then 
years later, I'm back, you know, in St. Louis visiting folks, and I see this truck, like a normal truck, and it has a rainbow flag on it, which right, at that time, right. it was kind of rare for me to see like a truck like that in my hometown with a rainbow flag on it. And it was Mr. Parsons truck. Oh, the and, tears and he came, he start came, to flow. I mean, I will say he came out in a tank top and it was very jarring. I was like, Mr. Okay. Why are you yeah, wearing the not, tank top? I wasn't top? ready for that. Wasn't I wasn't ready, ready for, for the yeah. tank top. But um, <laughs> but it was it, he came out of the um the the gas station by my mom's place where we would always go to get the big big things of soda. And uh, and he had a big thing of soda, and it was it was just that's, it, that's, that's it was really, really wonderful. Really yeah, sweet. Mr. Parson was a big big one for me. I I also was very lucky. I had a, I really liked almost all of my teachers. I I just got I just was very fortunate. But the I, I, and oddly enough, I started thinking about this over the weekend, and the ones that really stood out all ended up being in middle school. My sixth oh. grade English teacher was first of all we did two units with her that were mind blowing. Sixth grade. She grew up in the house that Lizzie Borden murdered her parents. <gasps> no. So we did an oh entire God. unit on the murders. Did you go to her house? But no, I mean that's in Massachusetts, but oh. but but it is a, it is a hotel and museum run by her sister now. Wow. And a second wow. unit we did was we she this teacher knew a judge uh, downtown. So we we literally did a mock trial in sixth grade in a real yeah. courtroom with a judge who like was didn't smile like he took it very seriously. Yeah. And it was just like one of the funnest, coolest units I've ever done. And I had another teacher in seventh grade who like taught it. It was just very hands on. And he taught us all about basically the basics of like politics, world history. I remember him telling in-depth stories about Russia. Uh, the USSR, and I remember him talking about how Khrushchev talked, took his shoe off, and he said about the United States, he said he's going to crush us like a bug, or oh, I forget wow. the, exact, <laughs> the exact line, but yeah, and it, you know, it, you know, it, it just it just really stuck in my head all these years, and I still kind it's of so funny that middle school was history, the year Fuller. I think of middle school, and I, I I had I had so many great teachers, but the only thing of middle school that I think of is the one teacher that I had that was a fucking bitch yeah and she told me that i had a voice that carried that i i talked too much and i had a voice that carried which is you know okay. a, a criticism that brent ushers at me quite often and <laughs> but <laughs> but she um she died of a brain aneurysm suddenly. okay so, well there you go by the way voice that carries is not like a a vicious backhand Alan. oh it was yeah, though she was, she said it sounds said it, it many times she would yell at me for talking too much she would yell at the way i talk <laughs> All these things, and I'm just I no middle school to me is hating her. Okay, well I understand. What about you, Elliot? Um, I had uh, middle school was like a blur. It was so awful, and I just remember like throwing up every day before school. <laughs> I don't know what I was. I was anxious. I had a girl who was like stalking me, oh, and right. she didn't think I knew who she was stalking <laughs> me, and she would leave notes and prank call me, but I knew who she was, and I was. It was a whole fucking thing. I like. I almost. Oh God, I didn't call the police, but I made a thing about it, and, oh my God. <laughs> and like got the guidance counselor involved. She was like, wow, it was terrifying at the time. <laughs> she was also my dentist's stepdaughter. So when I got when I went to the dentist, I had to pretend that I didn't. I had to pretend that his daughter wasn't a nightmare. Yeah, um, you know, and not and not admit that she was in love with me. But anyway, uh, my. The most influential teacher for me, I was a huge, I loved every teacher in elementary school. It was like my golden, my golden years. <laughs> I was thriving. <laughs> um, but 
influentially speaking, there was this chorus teacher named Mrs. Steo who was just, she was so bizarre and like so waspy and such a character that I would impersonate her in like ninth grade. And it was such a great way to learn how to deflect from um, homophobia, you know, potential yeah. homophobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so she was, she was great. And she was, she also was like very encouraging with my voice. And then um, I had a wonderful English teacher who in high school who managed to be like, or he was like a real hippie, like white hair, ponytail, all 60s stuff, man, like anti-war, drove a Volkswagen bug. Like somehow he existed in Long Island, which is like a sewer, you know, yeah, like yeah. a sewer in a cannoli. And I don't know how he, he, he managed to like live there, but, but he did and he was pretty phenomenal. But the most influential teacher in my entire childhood was in kindergarten. This woman named, was named Mrs. Plunkett and she was my kindergarten teacher. And for your birthday, she would very famously give you birthday spanks and a pinch to grow an inch. And it would give me, oh my God. <laughs> gave, me such an- <laughs> gave me such anxiety that when my birthday rolled around, I went into school early so I could talk to her. And I said, look, I appreciate, I, I appreciate, <laughs> you know, the, I guess the celebratory aspect of what this is, but I do not want birthday spanks. And I certainly don't want to pinch the grown inch. <laughs> That's the last time you turned down being spanked. <laughs> That is, that is unbelievable. Oh, you know, it's yeah. both of you have mentioned like Plunkett. Both of you have mentioned kindergarten teachers. I have no recollection of my kindergarten teacher. You didn't mention kindergarten. You did. Oh, or, that's so uh, weird. There was a, when you were talking, when you were talking about Mr. Parson, that that um, that a kindergarten teacher in my elementary school was super gay um, and beloved, and he was, but he was, he was super gay, and then he ended up. This high school, sorry, the elementary school principal ended up divorcing his wife and marrying this guy. Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's so so sweet. My my mom, my mom is literally like Facebook friends with them now. (laughs) I'm your mom. We love we love Sandy on this podcast. We love love Sandy. Sandy. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? I really like Jesse Klein. I'm going to buy her book, but I'll be honest. I didn't like how she bragged about how she has aisle money for airplanes. <laughs> Is that more expensive? My Aunt Joanne would say. It's usually like 20 bucks. Yeah. No. It is the aisle? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Like if oh. you get you get a randomly assigned seat. And if you want like a more desirable seat, which is which is now anything which is like anything, it's usually like 20 bucks. Wow. I always pick out my seat. Yeah, same. Oh, well, maybe, some, no of us do, maybe some of us aren't Platinum Club members, Elliot. Uh, <laughs> I think you're missing the- I think I you're what, doing what, something what wrong. What airline are you using? Yeah. No, I think yeah. you're doing you're spirit. Right. You're flying spirits. I have <laughs> flown spirit sometimes, <laughs> I can't but I normally am on Delta. Oh. Just so you know, I normally am on Delta. Go ahead, Elliot. Um, my aunt Joanne would say, well, I happen to remember a certain Mrs. Goldberg who gave you your first mezuzah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I think Elliot is a fool. I have never turned down a spanking. Just spanking. Very, very good. (laughs) Aunt Anne. Aunt Anne is a legend, legend, and we all know She's that. a slut. We all, we all know. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, that's a part of the she's legend. She's not a legend. She's a slut. Which she's is amazing. Slut. We, we love sluts around here. <laughs> mm. 
We certainly do. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You're making it worse. My name is Brent Sullivan. Good night and good luck. And let us know about Patreon if you want a Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, please. What you want to hear from us because you get 45 minutes of us a week. Maybe you want 15 minutes more. (laughs) Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Thank you.